What's up, everybody? In today's episode, I've got an absolute banger. I've got my man, Nate Groot Nibblink, with me, and we're going to talk through four buy lows and four sell highs to help you with your fantasy trades. And as an added bonus, we are going to give you a playoff schedule primer to let you know which teams have the best schedule come playoff time and who you should be targeting. Hey, there's Biz. Let's get to it. This is Apples and Genos. You are listening to Cream of the Crop. Everybody, thank you so much for joining me. This is the cream of the crop of fantasy hockey podcast presented by Apples and Genos, the number one fruit based fantasy hockey podcast of all time. That's how we do. All right, my name is Blake Creamer. I'll be your host today. Please follow me over on Twitter slash X at Blake Creamer AG. Also, you got to check out the Apples and Genos Discord. You got to get your biscuits and your buns in there. Any kind of carbohydrate, you get directly into the Discord and you click the link and you talk to a bunch of legends. We are 1,000 strong fantasy managers in there, so you got to do that. Um, Also, Apples and Genos has a YouTube channel, so please head on over there. Even if you're an audio listener, you could really help us out if you just go over, search Apples and Genos and give us a subscribe. We're trying to reach 1,000 members over there as well. And I think we're going to do it. It feels really good. In today's show, I have the guest to end all guests. All right. The man who never met a rate stat he didn't like. My one, my only, my everything. Nate (laughs) Nibblink. Buddy. How are you doing? Well, now I just feel bad for only referring to you as my best friend for all these weeks. And that was that was pretty hard to top, Like, I'm going to have to sit and like write something out. Maybe it'll have to rhyme. I don't know. But uh, thank you for that greeting. And yes, I'm obviously happy to be here. See, there you go, buddy. See, you take notes. All right. You take it back. You workshop it. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday. We'll get to see what Nate comes up with everybody. All right. <laughs> Something to look forward to, right? Um, how have you been, man? Have you been watching any of this All-Star stuff? Uh, I missed most of it. I've had a bit of a crazy week, to be quite honest with you. So, unfortunately, I missed most of it. I watched back uh, the uh, selection last night, which was pretty painfully awkward to watch. Um, it seemed like like the guests were having a good time. Like Buble was obviously having a pretty good time um, for various reasons, but like Tate McRae was having a good time. And then right beside her is Nate McKinnon and Kale McCarr, who have like no expression whatsoever at any point. They're all business all the time. So I thought that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, I didn't catch anything that went on tonight. I get like Elliot Friedman uh, tweet updates. So I saw a bunch of stuff through that, but I haven't watched any of it yet tonight. Yeah, I I've I kind of wanted to take a break from fantasy hockey for this time, and I actually am really enjoying that. Although I forgot to turn off my Twitter notifications, so and I follow so many people that are there at the All Star Game, so it's just like every two seconds is like Connor McDavid, you know, yep. Kale McCard, Nikita Kucherov's being a dingus. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what's going on. So, but yeah, Michael Bublé, oh my god, but he's a fun guy. <laughs> you see what I did there? Um, I did. Yeah, don't do drugs, kids, all right? But if you're going to do drugs, <laughs> make sure that you're with Michael Buble, all right? Because he sounds like a real hoot. Uh, shout out to Michael Buble. Actually, if anybody has any information on Michael Buble, please send it my way or send him my information. I'm trying to get this man on the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast, all right? I know mm-hmm. he'd have a good time. And you know what? 
Mr. Buble, if you come on, we can do mushrooms together. All right. It's, you know, I don't, I don't normally partake, but you know, it's a special occasion. You know, we could have put them on a pizza. We could, I don't know where I'm going with this. All right. I, I reiterate, don't do drugs kids. All right. That's, that's not good. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on. I'm just totally digressing here, but uh, in today's episode, Nate and I are going to be going over four sell highs and four buy lows. And we're also going to give you an update on some NHL news. Actually, lots of stuff has happened here, Nate. We got to talk about it. Um, and to finish it off, we're going to give you a fantasy playoff schedule primer. Dear God, it's it's a beautiful thing, isn't it, Nate? It truly is. It's color-coded and everything. You'll be able to find it in the Apples and Geos Discord server after. So plug again for the Apples and Geos Discord server. Nice. Yeah, actually, um, fun fact, Nate was holding out on me. I didn't even have this document. You know, I'm going in there by myself writing stuff on a piece of loose leaf, and he's got a beautiful Excel sheet. I don't know. That, that's that's fine, Nate. I understand where we're going. Um, but here we go. All right. First off, we got to get the biz, and we got to start off with some NHL newsies. All right. First thing, I got to shout out Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers died, man. Do you, do you know mm. who Carl, Carl Weathers is, Nate? Yeah, this guy, first off, Rocky 3, and t- Rocky 3 is one of my favorite movies of all time. Obviously, that's way before your time, Nate, but this guy's a legend. And the only reason I'm bringing up Carl Weathers, he was in Happy Gilmore, right? And, yep. uh, you know, Happy Gilmore was a hockey player, then he turned into a golfer, right? So there, there's, a, there's a connection here. This is like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, basically. All right, <laughs> but I do want to shout out Carl Weathers. It's all in the hips, all right? Um, he's a beautiful man. RIP legend. Let's move on. Um, Montreal Canadiens, they traded center Sean Monaghan to the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for a first round pick in this year's NHL draft and a conditional third round pick in 2027. What the hell? I mean, this is a, this is what you call prime asset management, isn't it, Nate? Like Kent Hughes, first off, they, they got a first round pick just for taking on Sean Monaghan's contract from the Calgary Flames. And now they got a first round pick and a conditional to send him away like that. That's wild stuff. But I mean, what, what were your thoughts when you first saw Monaghan going to the Winnipeg Jets there, Nate? Yeah, I figured he was going to go. He was a really obvious candidate to get traded, having a pretty solid season for Montreal. Um, yeah, I'm kind of glad it wasn't the Leafs, to be honest. They were they weren't definitely they weren't at like the top of the list, but uh, I did hear them entered into some of those conversations. Uh, yeah, I think Monahan's had a good year. Most of his damage has come being a part of the top power play unit there. Now it sounds like he's going to get a look with Ehlers and Perfetti to start off in Winnipeg. And that's a good spot to be. Don't get me wrong. I think that, like, I kind of feel like Monahan and Ehlers are like polar opposite players, though, in a lot of ways. Like, Ehlers just wants to skate around with the puck, and Monahan just wants to, like, post up and. <laughs> and slow the game down so i don't know how that marriage is going to work out but either way it's a good spot to be definitely a massive improvement at 5v5 the big thing for me is really going to be is he going to be on the top power play when everybody's healthy there i'm not sure that he's a power play one guy for them um so that's really going to be the key for me if it's just the 5v5 minutes then you know if he's getting 15 minutes then He's probably just exactly what he is right now on Montreal. He's just another streamer. You can put him in when the Jets have a good schedule. You can take him out when they don't and not worry too much about it. But if he does get on the top power play along with playing with Ehlers and Perfetti, then I do think that there's a solid chance that this guy turns into a rest of season hold. So I have some moderate excitement for Sean Monaghan's new location, I would say. 
Ooh, moderate excitement for Sean Monaghan. I like how that sounds. Um, and, you know, we will be talking about Sean Monaghan in a little bit because he was actually one of the sell highs that I had. Um, you know, I was going to do this show earlier this week and then Nate and I decided to move it over to this day. But yeah, I mean, Monaghan's been running hot. He was with the, the Montreal Canadiens and I still think he is a sell high. So we are going to dig in a little bit on Monaghan a little bit later in the next segment. Okay. Um, and I probably should have started with this news. I don't know why I started with the Monaghan news, but we're going to move over to this news. Your Vancouver Canucks have acquired Elias Lindholm from the Calgary Flames for big koozie. God, oh, that's painful to me, sort of. Um, Hunter Brustovich, which Yoni Yermo, ah, I should have looked up how to say these men's names, and 2024 first-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. That's a huge trade. I mean, Canucks are obviously going all in. That's that's for sure. It's 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 fun and it's also really scary, right? Just because of what we what we've experienced over here in Vancouver. <laughs> so you know, when they're giving away a bunch of picks and this guy Hunter Brustovich, like you know, he's he's rocking in 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 uh, the minors here. Obviously, he's he's kind of like a Tony D'Angelo model, right? But still, I don't know. You, you hate to give up a guy that's leading the league in points or assists or whatever it is. So that's an interesting piece. And then Big Koozie, I think we know kind of what he brings to the table when he's getting deployment and when he's feeling good. So I don't know, Nate, when you saw this trade, what did you think about the fantasy values for um, Elias Lindholm and then Kuzmenko? Yeah. So for Lindholm, I think he goes straight to the top power play. They've kind of been moving around the pieces there. And yeah, unfortunately, after we got a little bit excited about I PS Suter, uh, it, I'm pretty much certain that Lindholm goes straight to the top power play and Suter's the guy who comes off. And then, yeah, you're looking at a, yeah, just a murderer's row on that top power play now. Rival any power play around the league. JT Miller, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, now Elias Lindholm, and then obviously Quinn Hughes on the back end. So that's obviously going to work out. But I think what it really does for Vancouver is it gives them a lot of optionality in the top six. You know, JT Miller and Brock Besser have been kind of stapled together all year. But now Elias Pettersson, I think, probably has somebody of a much higher caliber than he's ever had to play alongside. And that's pretty exciting for both Pettersson and for Lindholm, in my estimation. Yeah, absolutely. And then what about Kuzmenko in Calgary? Do you think that this is a player? Because first off, I picked up Kuzmenko in a bunch of spots just because in some leagues that I'm in, there's these guys that basically just wait up until 3 a.m. and they have like three computers going and they just click the button immediately and they take all my streamers. So the only guy left was uh, Andre Kuzmenko of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, so I did pick <laughs> up Kuzmenko in three spots, actually, and now I've got him. So I, I feel okay about that. I think it's a flyer pick, but what do you think it's going to do for his value moving forward? Yeah, it's going to depend completely on how they choose to deploy him. I mean, they picked up a guy with a contract, so it's not like they're going to move away from him. So I do think they'll test him out and see what they have. Um, that means top six minutes, probably top power play minutes, I would guess, Uh it's not like they have a ton of other guys who are just waiting in the wings to take over top power play time. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him up on that Huberto, Kadri, Sharon Govich line uh, on the power play where Lindholm was before. So that would obviously be a nice spot. Um, different players, so it'll be a little bit interesting to see how they try to fit all that together. But I do think that there's a good chance he gets up there. Uh, at even strength, it's a little bit more interesting where he's going to fit in. I think the ideal spot would be alongside Kadri and Huberto, uh, where he could just yeah. be, you know, you have Kadri who's kind of the the guy who likes to chuck pucks, and you have Huberto as the guy who likes to set people up. And then you got, uh, yeah, just... 
Kuzmenko's, you know, doesn't get a ton of chances, but he gets high danger chances, good scoring chances when he does, and he converts on a good percentage uh, when he's feeling good and rolling. So uh, that would be something that I would watch for is what 5v5 line he's looking at, and then obviously the top power play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. He, like he has a contract, so they got to see what they have here. Like they're they're stuck with them for a little bit, right? So I think top power play makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, Daily Faceoff has him on the top line with uh, Huberto and Kadri, and nothing's been confirmed, but that kind of makes sense to me. I think like right off the bat, you know, he's going to probably head up there, and that's going to kill a little bit of value for Sharon Govich, right? Um, who's who's been a good streamer for everybody, a streamer with benefits so far. So keep an eye on that. But yeah, I like the outlook for Kuzi. I think he was getting no minutes here in Vancouver, like 12 minutes, 10 minutes, right? So even if he goes back up to 16 minutes, we're looking at a much more valuable player, a much more valuable streamer, right? So yeah, shout out to Big Kuzi. That, you know, that really sucks, but that's fine. Um, moving on, we got to talk one, about one more thing here. And it's the, the Kings head coach, Todd McClellan, was let go. And now it's assistant coach Jim Hiller is the new interim bench boss there. Um, he's been an assistant with the team for two seasons, and he's had eight seasons at an, as an assistant with some other teams like Toronto and Detroit and, and the Islanders. So um, do you know anything about the coach, first off, Nate? And then what do you, how do you think this is going to affect the Kings in general for fantasy? Yeah, I don't have any special insight on the coach, but generally I think when you have like a – somebody taken over who's been an assistant on the staff generally you typically think that there's not going to be a huge change to the way things are running like i don't think uh, i don't think i would expect you know big shakeups to the lineup i don't think i would expect big shakeups to the system that they're playing the way that they're um the way that they're operating at 5v5 the general yeah, system that they play i wouldn't expect anything there there will be some tweaks obviously along the way but this move in particular really just feels like a like they had to do something kind of move, yep. right? Yep. Uh, to change the course of the season at this point. And I don't think, like, I mean, if you look at the stats at 5v5 over the last couple of weeks here, Los Angeles, they have a 54% 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage. That's not too bad. They have a 53.4% scoring chance 4 percentage. That's not too bad. I think they're probably getting a little bit unlucky, plus, you know, whatever is happening behind closed doors there uh, also going on. So I this kind of feels a little bit reminiscent of Edmonton earlier this this year where I didn't really think the coach was necessarily the problem, but maybe the team needed that wake-up call um, to say, like, nobody's job is safe here. We got work to do, and then they finally got down to business. So... Hopefully that's what it is for the Kings and hopefully that's a boon to all of their players. Um, you know, there was just some natural regression hitting for some of their players as well. They were probably playing a little bit too hot before. And so it all kind of came together at the same moment and it made it look even worse than it really was. So a little bit of all those factors coming together, but I am optimistic that this will be the shakeup that they need and we'll get a little bit more from our Kings players moving forward. Yep, for sure. Um, something that we need to do when when we got a new coach in here is we got to you watch these LA Kings games for like at least check the box scores for deployment, right? Because there there is going to be some minor changes, right? There are going to be players that are maybe prioritized a little bit more. And I tweeted about this earlier today, but something that I I guess I hope happens more than I think will happen. But you know, 
LA's power play under Todd McClellan, it's it's been kind of a 60-40 split or even 55-45 with like their top power play and their second power play. And what I'm hoping happens is maybe that power play goes to a more traditional like 65-35 or 70-30 even um, with, with their top players getting a bit more burn there on the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, so that would obviously benefit all the players on that top power play. And then Kevin Fiala and Quinton Byfield in particular are two players that I'm watching because they're just players that I'm excited about. But the deployment is hasn't always been where I want to see it, right? Like, can you imagine if all of a sudden Quentin Byfield starts getting like 19, 20 minutes or or Fiala gets 19, 20 minutes? Like, it's going to be blast-off time for these players. So, I mean, it, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but for these next few games, this next next week of games for the Kings, I'm going to be watching the box scores closely. You with me, Nate? Absolutely with you. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I love Quentin Byfield and what he's shown this year, the huge step that he's taken, really honestly driving that line and making Kopitar even look better than he actually has been, which Kopitar's done that for a lot of players over yeah. his time with the Kings. So it's kind of interesting to see that script flipped a little bit there. So yeah, I'd love to see it. Top players getting more minutes is always good for us in fantasy. That's that's what's going to happen. Book it. All right. We're calling it right now. Nate has just confirmed it, everyone. All right. I'm throwing you under the bus, Nate. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. All right. Now let's get to the meat of the show. We got to talk about buy lows and sell highs. These are your players that should help you with some trade targets and trade deadlines are coming up in our fantasy league. So, you know, now more than ever, we got to look at how we can find value. Right. Um, and that's what we're going to do. We're I'm going to talk about four players, uh, sell highs and four players that are buy lows. Players that I think are valued too low or too high, and we'll see what we can do. Okay. But we're going to a little place called the Cream Exchange. Join me, won't you? All right. Here we go. Uh, So for the first sell high, as mentioned before, we got to talk about Sean Monaghan. All right. What is this man doing? He's popping off. Um, you know, this guy's been, he was a great story for the Habs this season. He's uh, pacing for 59 points, which would be his highest total in the last six years. Um, and with Montreal, he was skating recently alongside that uh, fantasy hockey legend, Joel Armia and Yaroslavkovsky. Um, not exactly plum deployment there, but uh, like you said earlier, Nate, it's it's been that power play presence um, that's really been kind of holding up his floor and counterbalancing his even strength deployment. So that's where he's making bacon. But, um, you know, he has 16 power play points on the season and he did have a chance at surpassing his career high of 23 power play points that he got with the Flames in 2018. So that's pretty damn nice, you know. But now with the Jets, like you were saying, Nate, it's, it's not really certain if he's even going to get power play one deployment. So that could throw a wrench into things there. Um, But I think he found a home on the power play and he was somewhat successful. But when I dug in on Monaghan here, Nate, his, his five on five numbers, they're at or near career worst numbers, right? Like he, he's having the lowest shots and goal per 60 at five on five of his career at 6.03. The lowest individual scoring chances for per 60 at 5.73. That's, that's not good, man. That's that's really not good, right? And it's to be expected. So it, that kind of accents to me how well he is doing on the power play because at even strength, nothing's going well, probably for that whole team, right? Meanwhile, his on-ice shooting percentage is rocking at 9.75, which is going to be the, his highest number in six seasons, right? So that's classic sell-high stuff to me. And now he's been moved to a new team where we don't even know what the hell his role is. But 
he still has value. He still has a 59 point pace. He's a, he's a big name in the news. Like you, you might be able to do something with this player. So Nate, I want to get your thoughts on Monahan. I know you talked a little bit about him. First off, do you think he is a sell high? And if so, who do you think we could get for someone like this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much that you're going to get from Monaghan right now unless someone is like a Winnipeg fan who's like super excited about Monaghan for some reason. Uh, yeah, it's not a player. He's had like one point per game season in the league and everything else has been like in the 60s and then obviously had injury troubles that have really held him down yeah. uh, over the past couple of seasons before having this resurgence here. So I don't think there's a, like a huge market out there for Sean Monaghan right now. But definitely, I think there could be some excitement, especially if he has, you know, a good first couple of games, gets a goal, gets an assist and has like three points in his first three games. Right. All of a sudden, people are looking at this and they're saying, oh, man, Sean Monaghan, all of a sudden he's a point per game player now that he's gone to a good team. And while I do think that there is some optimism that he can be a good player there if he gets, uh, you know, good good minutes at even strength, but also power play one there in Winnipeg. Uh, in general, I'd rather be selling a player like this. I mean, we'll get to it with the uh, with the uh, playoff schedules, but Winnipeg has one of the worst playoff schedules no matter what weeks your playoffs are in. So there's that as well. Uh, if you do get all the way to the end and you, Monahan's still on your team, he's just not going to be that big of a factor for you in the playoffs, uh, even if he helps you get there. So definitely somebody that I'd be looking to move off of, especially now if I can hang on to him. Hopefully he has a good first few games and somebody gets a little bit excited about him. But honestly, like I'd move off Monahan for like a really good streamer uh if someone is willing to give me the best streamer in the upcoming week like the week after next so after the all-star game here we've got this kind of two week matchup that we're going into and then after yep. that arizona has like a perfect streaming schedule they have four games all on off nights and like nobody else has a really good streaming schedule at all so if you could trade sean monahan for like a nick schmaltz or something in your league then that's something that i'd probably do um like right now if i could get it done so yeah that's where i'm at with monahan i don't think i just again i say this about a few different players here and there but like monahan is not going to be the reason you win or lose your league and so if you can get something that materially helps you even for one week of the season then i would move off monahan for that yeah i agree with all that um you know, it's 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 nice having you on here because it's a little bit of a different perspective. Like so, sometimes the way I present sell highs on this show, especially guys like Monahan, is like trade sweeteners. So like like you know, you're doing a two for one or something, yep. and you throw Monahan in. Like basically, just showing that a guy's value is higher than it you know maybe perceived higher than it actually is. And I think mm -hmm. that's the case with Sean Monahan here. But I, I like that as well. Like. Um, yeah, pick up a streamer for Arizona. That that's a really nice move. And I also like what you said about let's let's hope that he ha if he has a great first week with the team. Bang! Now we're cooking. Now we can actually maybe trade him for a, for a player you keep on your team, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really like that. Um, some of the guys I was looking at is like, you know, oh, tell me if you would do this, like Monahan for Owen Tippett. Would you do that? And heartbeat. Yep. No, like yeah, okay. Um, but do you think you could do that? I think I could do that. It depends. Uh, probably depends on that week and where Torts is playing Tippett, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then another guy I was thinking about, even Ehlers, right? Guys like that. Like, that's sort of the level where we're at here with Monaghan to me. And to me, you know, I'd rather bank on Ehlers' floor than Monaghan's ceiling. 
which I think he's absolutely at right now. So anyways, see what you can do. I think rest of season value for Monaghan, if everything goes perfect, we're looking at like a 50 to 55 point pace rest of season. That I, I can't imagine it going any higher than that, but I can definitely see the floor kind of falling out there. So I don't know. Let's cash in on that value and start playing with the house's money. Am I right, Nate? For sure. Oh, yeah, buddy. Monaghan, league winner right here. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the next player here on the sell high. Was that Duchesne again? Oh, God, it was. Duchesne, hey, buddy, what's what's going on? Yeah, Matt Duchesne's here. He's on the sell high list. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I have not been a fan of this guy all season, and he's, he's basically just tooting in my face at every chance he can, but that's fine. Um, so we got to look at Matt Duchesne and what he's been able to do this season. Um, first off, 45 points in 48 games. Damn, he's on a 77-point pace. This is crazy stuff. Um, you know, and he's doing this on the second line and second power play. And he's also really – he's not getting really any points on the power play either. And his deployment's down uh, like a, over a minute from last season. So, um, yeah, I, I look at Matt Duchesne. I wanted to talk about his last five games here. Um, three goals, two assists. But, again, like 15 and a half minutes, the metrics are garbage, right? 226 overall in shots and goal per 60, 206 in individual Corsi 4 per 60, and then 168th, a little better in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. But IPP, 83%, shooting percentage, 37.5. Damn. No. All right, this this is just clear sell high stuff. But the weird thing with Duchesne, he's kind of been doing it all season, you know, which is, I don't know, that whatever. But, like, he has 10 points in his last 10 games. What, Nate, what do we do with this guy? Like, Duchesne, is, he has the, his on-ice shooting percentage is the highest of his career currently. Uh, you know, second line, second power play, like I said. IPP is the highest in the past seven seasons. What are we doing with Matt Duchesne? Can we get anyone, like, would someone bite on Matt Duchesne thinking this guy's like a kind of a premium value or like value him like a 77 point player? I think it's possible because honestly, Duchesne has done this in seasons past, right? Like he's had, he's got one of the more interesting stat logs across his career. If you look back. So just going backwards in time, starting with this season, 16.7% shooting percentage this season, last year, 13.1 year before that 18.8. And right. then you get three years in a row where he was below 10% between 8.5 and 9.6. And then the year before that, he was at 21.4. And he's got another season where he's above 17%. Like, he's been all over the map throughout his career. And so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to have another 17% shooting season this year. Uh, but the more concerning part, is really that the IPP is a lot higher than it's been in any of the last five seasons. That's most likely going to come down. And then also the on-ice shooting percentage up at 15.1%. That's just kind of ridiculous and that's definitely going to come down before the end of the season so i do think that it's not going to keep up the one thing that could have saved him was getting on the top power play they experimented actually with that for a little bit but it looks like in the last game they're back to jamie ben on the top power play in that spot so all things told i think this is a classic uh sell high um Duchesne has shown that he can, you know, be unsustainable for a long period of time in the past. And maybe that's what happens here again. But, you know, if you're if you're betting, you have to bet against it because it is really, really hard to sustain these kind of numbers. What kind of player would you look to to acquire if you were if you were offering up Duchesne? Like for me personally, before I let you answer date is, yeah. is I'm, I want someone that has that first off has first line, first power play. 
I think that's really key or just power play one regardless. Um, and, and this guy's deployment is stinky too. So I need something with something a little more consistent and then a shot and chance generator. Like, does anyone come to mind for you? Um, it's a little bit tough to have one off yeah. the top of my head, but like, if you can, if you can turn around a Matt Duchesne into like a Matt Boldy, um, uh, somebody who's obviously not at the top of everyone's mind right now with how Minnesota has been, um, yeah, Boldy may very well be held down by that situation, but it's kind of like opposite situations, right? Boldy's getting all the deployment on top uh, top power play anyway. Um, he's been on and off the line with Kaprizov, but right. getting top power play there. Last game, he skated 22-plus minutes. The game before that, 19-plus, so he's being used. Um, but that's kind of what you're talking about, right? You're talking about guy yep. who's getting a ton of minutes and who's entrenched on the top power play you at least have that floor there with boldy and then you have the potential for the pop-off there whereas duchene you expect things will go the other way yeah yeah i'm just i'm getting some good uh, and um analogies in my mind like you're you're at the top of a ladder you want to get over to a ladder that has a bit more to climb right you're lower on the ladder but you can climb higher does that make sense everyone does this make sense nate am i waxing poetic right now I'm not sure if that's poetry quite yet, but you're on your way. Yeah. Maybe that's the next letter. It's certainly not poetry. No, I need an editor and I need it now. All right, that's fine. <laughs> I need some AI to just get in here. Just clean everything up, right? We'll work on that in post. All right, let's move on. Shout out to Matt Duchesne. It was Duchesne. Okay, next player on the sell high list, Lucas Raymond. We got to talk about him. All right, this is another player. Again, I'm, I've, I haven't really been high on all ever um but he's pacing for his best season statistical season that he's ever had in in three years so he's on a 67 point pace 41 points in 50 games that's nice you know he's shooting 14.1 percent which is you know a career high for him you know albeit by by two percent so it's nothing crazy his deployment is reasonable it's kind of similar to what he had last year but again this guy has all the telltale signs of a player that is overachieving to me um, and specifically with his luck metrics, right? His IPP and his uh, shooting percentage, right? So IPP at five on five is 73.5% after the last two seasons, which were 60% and 65% respectively. So, you know, he's running hot there, which is not crazy, right? I mean, he's also a young player, so that could just be a player sort of, you know, taking a taking a step in his development. But if you pair that with the fact that he's shooting a career high 13% and has, you know, an 11.3 on ice shooting percentage after only hitting for 7.6 the previous season, I think we're probably looking at some regression here. But like I said, it, you know, it's, it's tough with a young, talented player like this because this could legitimately be the player who is taking another step. But I'm looking at what's going on around him as well. And it's worth noting that Patrick Kane has been out the last six games while Raymond has kind of been cooking here. Like in, you know, in the last five games, Raymond's got seven points, right? All without Kane in the lineup. So what happens when Kane gets back in the lineup? Like it's, I don't think it's going to help Raymond. And another thing, Raymond only has a 49.6 power play share, um, which has actually gone down every year that he's been in the league. So he's not getting power play one consistently. I could definitely see him dropping off a bit. I don't know. He's, he's on a 69 point pace, which is nice. But it's not where I see this player rest of the season. What do you think, Nate? Is Raymond a sell high? Yeah, I definitely think he's overperforming a little bit here. And yeah, it's just not a guy who ever pops in the stuff we like to look at, never pops in the shots for 60 or the scoring chances for per 60. Has had a little bit of a tick up in terms of the Corsi 4 per 60, the on ice number there. Uh, so that's nice, but 
the corresponding increase in the on-ice shooting percentage. Um, that's something that doesn't feel sustainable in the IPP, as you mentioned. So um, all things told, it does feel like Lucas Raymond is a little bit unsustainable at the moment. Honestly, I don't know what the market is like out there for Lucas Raymond. I don't know if people really even know that he's on pace for (laughs) close to 70 points. So um, you might have to do a little bit of a sell job to get something of real value for yourself in return for Lucas Raymond. But um, yeah, maybe the Red Wings fan in your your pool has some interest in Raymond and you can actually get something that's going to stick on your team for the rest of the season. Is that why you just straight up rejected and didn't counter my trade offer for Lucas Raymond, Nate? <laughs> it's one of the reasons. Oh, God. Just hurtful. No no counter, nothing. Just just crickets. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on. Last sell high I want to talk about. His name was Robert Thomas. I'm not crazy. I'm just a little away. Matchbox 20. Nate's favorite band. Okay. Um. Oh, he nodded. Yeah, that's if you're not watching YouTube yet, yeah, Nate did nod. So that's confirmed. <laughs> All right, eight points in his last six games for Robert Thomas. This guy's pacing for 87. My God. Um, Yeah, he's having a great year, no question. Top line, top power play in St. Louis. So there's lots to like. Um, Again, you know, when I'm looking at for these sell highs, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm always drawn to these luck metrics, right? And Robert Thomas's IPP at five on five, 86%, which is higher than he's ever had before by a lot. All right, for reference, uh, last three seasons, 54%, 69%, nice, and 60%. Right. And now he's cooking at eight, at uh, 86. Right. So we got to take notice of that. That's that's a lot different. His shooting percentage is also at a career high, 18 percent. Um, and then I did note that his on a shooting percentage is actually a little bit low at nine point two, three percent. So I don't know. That could be because of maybe the quality of line mates that he played with at times during the season. Like he's played with Hey Neighbor, Jake Neighbors, uh, Kasperi Kapanen, you know, if, if anyone knows who that is. And others just to name a few. Right. So I think getting the new coach in here. Uh, really helped Rob Thomas. And there's no question to me that this guy's an elite passer, but these metrics are classic sell high to me. So um, where are you at with Robert Thomas, Nate? And do you think that this is a player you would be happy to get off and get someone with a little more, you know, kind of juice that we look for here at Apples and Genos? Or do you think that this is the player that Robert Thomas is and we should ride this into the sunset? Uh, It's a little bit difficult for me, quite honestly, because, uh, he has taken a substantial step in the underlying numbers, uh, the on-ice numbers this year. So like Corsi 4 per 60 is something we look at uh, last couple seasons, 56, 56, this year 66. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really solid step up there and a corresponding jump in scoring chances for per 60 as well. Uh, the on-ice shooting percentage at all strengths, like he was almost at 15% two years ago, last year 14.4, this year down at 11.24. So that actually feels like he could have some rebound there. The IPP is high, but he's also shooting more. So he's also primarily generating more offense this year than ever before. So you might expect actually that his IPP could be a little bit higher this year than it has been the last couple. Uh, Maybe not to the extent that it is right now, but I'm kind of thinking that there's this is like a new ceiling for rob thomas and then there's the other part he's averaging 21 minutes a night right uh, yep. last year yep. it was 1920 so that's a substantial increase in just time on ice and you need time on ice to produce so that part's nice i do think in the end like 
it, there's a pretty solid chance when you're not shooting very much and Rob Thomas is never going to be a volume shooter. It's improved this year, but it's still well below league average for most forwards. So it's not like that's his game by any stretch. I do think that there's a pretty solid chance that that comes down, but he is a high efficiency converter in terms of the shooting percentage always has been. So all of that to say, like, I do think that there's a probable regression from the 87 point pace that he's on currently, but like, I don't know if I'm saying it's much going down much more below 80. Like, I think he's still going to hover close to a point per game when all is said and done. So, um, yeah, I don't think you have to move off of Rob Thomas. Uh, there are definitely some ways to get into players that are maybe a little bit more consistent from game to game, and they don't have these kind of, they don't have to have like big uh, shooting percentage bender weeks to really pop off for you the way that Rob Thomas does. But in the end, I do think that Rob Thomas is going to be plenty viable all the way to the end of the season for most people. Yeah, I love that. That's a that's a nice perspective, a little different than mine. But I mean, that's it's just nice to kind of bounce this off of someone. I usually do these by myself. So, um, yeah, to me, Rob Thomas is a player that I think has a lot of value right now. And I I'm like Nate said, there's you do not have to get off this guy because yeah, I think it's going to regress. But like you said, regress to what like 87, 90 point pace down to an 80 point pace. That's probably reasonable, right? That's probably where this guy lives, especially with that deployment, right? But uh, still, it's a it's a little bit of value that we might be able to parlay into something really special. You know what I mean? So see what you can do. Shout out to Mashbox Twenty. All right, we got to talk about buy lows, and we'll we'll zip through this a little bit more because um, you know I want to let Nate talk and not uh, my you know talk myself. I you know have a problem. I've had a lot of caffeine today, and uh, you know I got to get this energy out before I go to bed. All right. That's where I'm at. All right, let's talk about our first buy low. Are you Kyle Connor? Yes, I am. Uh, anyone seen Terminator 1? Okay, it's Sarah Connor, not Kyle Connor. Anyways, let's move on. Yeah, what what is Kyle Connor doing? My God. Um, he's doing pretty well, actually. But we, <laughs> I think there's a little bit of a dip in Kyle Connor's value right now, and that's what I want to sort of identify. So last five games, he's come off injury and he's played five games and he only has one goal in those five games, right? Um, he's getting great deployment, just over 20 minutes. And when you dig in on the metrics, they're great as usual. Like, uh, in fact, better than he's had historically in his career. So uh, last five games, shots on goal per 60, 21st overall, 20th overall in individual coursey four per 60, and 25th overall in individual scoring chances for. That's excellent. Meanwhile, his IPP is 33%, and he's shooting 4.8%, you know, in those five games, right? And his numbers are even better on the season. Like, he's pacing for a 48-goal season. What's really dropped off for Kyle Connor are the assists, right? That's That's where things have kind of gone off the rails a little bit, but... You know, when you dig in a little bit, shots and chances per six, you're at career high levels this season with Kyle Connor, right? And like I said, his goal scoring pace is great. On a shooting percentage, lowest number he's had since joining the league, since his first year in the league. Um, one thing I noticed as well about his situation there in Winnipeg, since he's been back, his uh, main center line mate, uh, Mark Shifley. Hi, Mark. He's been out for all of those games, right? Since Connor's been back. So, you know, what, what does that do when he comes back? I don't know. Like, this guy's pacing for, what is he pacing for? 77-point uh, pace, which, you know, he he got 81 points last year, 77 this year. Like, he's a pretty consistent guy, but I think he's got a much higher ceiling than this, and he's not really performing to the level that I would expect. Where are you at with Kyle Connor? Do you think this is a buy low? Do you think he has a bit more uh, headroom here, Nate? 
Yeah, I do think he has some headroom specifically in the on-ice shooting percentage uh, where he could gain something for us fantasy-wise. Uh, in terms of the goal scoring, like I do think this is probably about where he lives uh, on this like 48-goal pace. This is probably about who Kyle Connor is, but definitely I think he could give us, you know, maybe seven more assists uh, as a pace and get up above that point-per-game number. So I do think that he's got something to give there. Um, yeah, definitely doesn't help that Shifley's been out uh, the last little bit, but he's been able to produce the the shots in the meantime, as you mentioned. So overall, I'm in on Kyle Connor. The one thing I will say uh, that I mentioned with Monaghan as well is that the Jets don't have a great playoff schedule. So that's something that you might want to consider. Uh, you know, if you're just scrapping to make the playoffs, then think about the playoff schedule later. Go get Kyle Connor now if you can. If his current manager is a little bit worried about him, I would absolutely go make that deal now and figure out the playoff schedule later you got to make the playoffs for the playoff schedule to matter so um, if that's you then definitely if you're sitting pretty then maybe you want to think about some of these other buy lows instead of Kyle Connor though there you go um shout out to Kyle Connor you gotta go over to frozen tools and check out Kyle Connor's profile pick I'm nicknaming Kyle Connor the thumb all right he looks like a really happy thumb all right just like a thumb and that's Kyle Connor I don't know. I'm, I'm not even disparaging the man. It's an attractive man. He looks like a thumb. Let's let's move on. All right. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about is one of my favorites this year. Probably one of your favorites too, Nate. Philip Forsberg of the Nashville Predators. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that, like, first off, Philip Forsberg's on an 82-point pace, right? So, again, all I'm doing here is identifying that his value may be perceived lower than it actually is. Right. That's all I'm trying to say here, because in the last five games, Philip Forsberg has only two goals, but he's playing just under 21 minutes and the metrics are obscene. Right. Um, he, and he's been doing this all year. So last five games, 12th overall in shots of goal per 60, fifth overall in individual course four per 60 in the league, and then 32nd overall in individual scoring chances for. Um, but again, the shooting percentage, 8.7 on a shooting percentage trash. 4.8% over the last five games. So it, on the season, Forsberg is second overall in individual Corsi four per 60. That's nuts, right? Like th this is a player that definitely took a step. And I think it was that deployment, right? He's never received that kind of 20 minute deployment in his career. And now he's getting it. So this is an extremely valuable player in fantasy. So why is he on the buy low list? Well, let me tell you. All right. Um, at five on five, uh, his on-ice shooting percentage is a little low, right? But nothing crazy. To me, it's really his conversion on the power play that really has not been great. Um, it's the second lowest percentage of his career. He's shooting 6%. And for reference, the last two seasons, he shot 10% and 18% on the power play, right? So this year on the power play, like this guy's having a great season, 51 points. He's only got three power play goals, right? Like that's, you know, that's not what you expect from a player that's shooting and generating chances at the level that, that Philip Forsberg is right. So um, I don't know where are you at with Philip Forsberg. Do you think that like, obviously the metrics are amazing. Do you think that this is just a little bit of a slump there? I'm, I mean, we know that Nashville is not really a fantasy gold mine uh, for players there. And he's the one who's going to be driving the bus on anything that really happens there. Him and Roman Yossi, where are you at with Philip Forsberg, Nate? Yeah, I love the player. Uh, yeah, just has been a dominant player in terms of shot share and all these things for years and years. 
I've always had multiple shares of Philip Forsberg in my leagues because he's always been a player that I target. This year, popping off to a new level, the deployment, obviously a huge part of that, but also the shots for 60 at even uh, at all strengths, rather up to 12.5, and he's never cracked the 11 mark before. So that's a massive, massive number for Philip Forsberg this year. On the season, so he's averaging 19.04 on the season, but as you mentioned in this last stretch, close to 21 minutes a night. If this kind of deployment keeps up for the rest of the season, then definitely there's more ceiling to Forsberg. I'm a little bit uh, unsure if he's got more just based on the numbers where he's at right now. So in my mind, it's really just about is he going to get that extra little bit of deployment, that extra one, two minutes. Then maybe he has a little bit more ceiling beyond the 82-point pace that he's on at the moment. Otherwise, it feels like most of this is pretty in line. On-ice shooting percentage, pretty in line. IPP in line. Shooting percentage, pretty in line. So overall, I'm kind of just thinking that this is probably about where Forsberg lives unless the 21 minutes does signal a trend moving forward and then he might have some more. But definitely if somebody in your league is just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and they see that he hasn't quite lit up the score sheet as much the last little bit, then definitely I'd be all about acquiring Philip Forsberg. I think he's a stud. Absolutely. Um, I picked him up in two leagues in trades early on, and I drafted him in three other leagues. So I got Forsberg in five spots. And uh, yeah, I've been taking this to the bank. Um, Love this player. And yeah, again, just noting that he's on a little bit of a slump and people chase performances in fantasy, don't they, Nate? Like, I don't know, especially when we get closer to the playoffs and you got guys that are fighting to get a spot. I don't know. Like there's I'm just trying to show some opportunity here for for you to maybe pick up some elite players. All right, let's move on. We got to talk about Arturi Lekkonen of the Colorado Avalanche. I think I know your stance on this one, Nate, but I'm going to take a swing anyway. Uh, I really, like, I'm saying he's a buy low first off, uh, and I'm basing that really on the fact that I believe that he's going to get power play one again and potentially, like, you know, top six. Right now he's on the third line. He's playing with... Andrew Cogliano and Ryan Johansson, like, oh, God, that's that's not where you put Lecky. all right? You put Lecky in the top six, you set it, and you forget it, all right? This man's a stud. But, um, yeah, I, I think his main value in the past has been his access to that power play. Like, this is a guy that got, um, I believe it was like, yeah, 20 power play points last season. He was getting the 20-minute treatment from Jared Bednar last season, playing on the second line at times with Nichushkin and whoever as their center, right? So I just really believe that this player is much more valuable and viable than a player like Jonathan Drouin and even than a player like Ross Colton, which who are both taking up spots on the top power play currently. So, and then, you know, when you dig into the stats here on Lekin and like, first off, he's, he's played two games. He's done nothing, right? He's playing 16 minutes. That's fine. Um, you know, there's nothing to write home about statistically, but you know, at five on five this year in only 14 games, he's at 9.5, uh, shots to go per 60. Nate, did you know about this? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm watching Arturi Lekkonen because obviously it's a place in Colorado where you want any piece that's attached to Nate McKinnon right now. So anybody who gets up there and given Lekkonen's history, you do expect that that will happen at some point in the next little bit. The problem is that they do move stuff around there uh, a fair bit. I do expect that it'll change at some point, Lekkonen will be there, but for how long is kind of anybody's guess. Also, did I hear you say, is this correct that you said that Lekkonen is better than Ross Colton? 
better. I mean, you know, but I think he's more There's viable. All yeah. right. Hey, just, you know, the man didn't answer the cameo email, Nate. All <laughs> right. And that, you know, I don't forget. I'm like an elephant like that. All right, buddy, you're going down. All right. No, I can never stay mad at Ross Colton. But uh, yeah, th- I just think that I- I'm I'm into Lekkonen and I think this is an opportunity. It's a it's a swing for sure. That there's nothing like I'm basing this on previous performance and like you know his previous relationship with the coach and his previous deployment with this same coach where they've had success. So um, I really do believe that's going to happen. I actually made a trade for Lekkonen in a keeper league that I'm in where I'm not doing very well. I'm kind of. You know, I'm 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 mid I'm middling to to the back end there. I've just had a lot of injuries, so I traded Lekkonen for Lindholm, Elias Lindholm, and then we did a pick swap. So we did like a you know third rounder for a tenth rounder or something like that. So I I, I feel good about that because I actually think like I'm not out of it by any means in this league, but um, you know I got a nice draft pick, and I do think that Lekkonen is is going to get some prime deployment moving forward. Probably not as good as Elias Lindholm, but you know I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I I mean, I dropped Lekkonen in Kakuffle, so if that tells you anything about what I feel about Lekkonen, I, oh my again, God. it's another it's another player that I just feel is not going to make or break your season when all is said and done. He's probably going to have a couple of weeks where I wish I hadn't dropped him, but I think that's going to be like interlaced with four other weeks where he's just kind of there on your roster and could be replaced by any number of other players. So, um, yeah, I think... You can grab Lekkonen, you'll probably be happy with them for some period of time, and maybe it'll be for a longer period of time, definitely. There's history there. Um, but yeah, they've also gotten production out of Druen, out of Colton, and so who's to say that, you know, Lekkonen, if he doesn't get hot, like, what's to say that they won't stick with what's been working uh, for at least a, a fair period of time? So that's the part with it that I am a little bit ambivalent on. I want to see the deployment change before I'm moving on Lekkonen, and I'm just kind of content to miss on the player if that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely agree. This is not a player that's going to win your league, but this is the type of player you need, like these solid, consistent performers, even if he doesn't get on that power play. Like I still think that Lekkonen could be a 50 point player, a valuable player, like um, a good streamer on that team with benefits. I think he's going to end up being a rest of season hold. Nate, you want to do a gentleman's bet uh, offensive production, Ross Colton, Lekkonen rest of season. Let's do it. Okay. It's on it's booked. Let's do a barbarian handshake. Nate on the, you got it. You get my, that's yeah. You get up to the forearm and you shake it with a manly, I don't know, you stare into each other's eyes. I don't know where I'm going with this. All right, let's <laughs> go to the last one. Then I want to get into some playoff uh, primer stuff here with Nate. Uh, last one I want to talk about as a buy low, Travis Konechny, Connect 4. That's straight from our Discord, folks. Um, so I don't, I don't remember who said it. Shout out to you. I'm trying to give you the credit, but I don't know. Um, anyways, Travis Konechny, let's look at what he's been able to do. He's, he's been having a great season. This guy's an all-star, for God's sake. But 69-point uh, pace, nice. Okay, but uh, last five games, not so nice. Two points in five games. Uh, but again, the deployment's stupid. 21 and a half minutes, 67th overall in shots to goal per 60, 6th overall in individual Corsi 4 per 60. That's lovely. Um, and then 99th overall in individual scoring chances for, not so lovely. But I, then the, the on-ice numbers, again, with that Corsi 4 per 60, he's 5th overall, right? Obviously, and he's driving most of that, right? Like he's just chucking pucks like, like TK does. So, you know, that said, yeah, there you go. Hashtag that. Um, but to me, the big thing with Travis Konechny where he's falling off or falling short is the power play uh, performance, right? And that just like Philadelphia has the third worst power play in the league. 
and TK's feeling it, right? Um, so that said, I do think that the addition of Jamie Drysdale is going to make things better over there. Not it, maybe not substantially, but it's going to be better, I would say, with Jamie Drysdale there. And hopefully Owen Tippett is ready to play after the All-Star game and Torts gives him the, the offensive treatment that he has alluded to, you know, on uh, social media. But at five on five, Travis Konechny doing Travis Konechny things. He's just chugging along at a great pace, all reasonable numbers. He just needs a little help on the power play, and I think that's going to regress upwards. I could see this guy getting a lot lot more than 69 points by the end of the season. But again, he's still having a great season. I just think he's valued lower than he probably should be. What say you, NGN? Yeah, I agree on this one. Uh, He had a really hot start, and then he cooled off significantly, and I'm at the point now where I think – that he's actually probably pacing below where he should be. The Really the biggest thing is that the on-ice numbers have come up in a huge way for Konechny this year. Uh, all strengths, Corsi 4 per 60 at 77.5. The best he's ever had before was 69.6. And similarly with the scoring chances, 4 per 60. So that's come up in a big way, but at the same time, he's not having a great on-ice shooting percentage season. He's usually well above 10% and this year at 9.4%. And then you got the IPP usually is well above 70% this year below. So he's got a little bit of room there as well. Having the most shots for 60 of his career, like everything is going well for Konechny under the hood, except for the actual conversion uh, in a lot of these cases. So I do think that there's a pretty solid ceiling above where he's at right now that he could reach, like he could get to a point per game uh, status for the rest of the season in my mind, and that wouldn't shock me. So I'm in on Konechny. I do think this is a player that I want to be buying at this point. Absolutely. Do you worry about um, the deployment there in Philadelphia and what th- what they might do moving forward? Like he's getting crazy deployment now, but he's actually you know pacing for less on the season. So uh, what do you think about that? Um, I don't typically with Konechny, there's just a few players like Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny are probably the only two guys that I don't really feel that way uh, for Philadelphia. Like last year, Konechny paced for over, I uh, had 20.06 average time on ice last year uh, under Tortorella. So it, like, I feel like this is probably just one of Torts' guys. He always has a few guys that he really trusts and leans on and feels like Konechny's achieved that status for me. Lovely. Okay. Well, there you go. Those are our four buy lows and four sell highs. Um, and Nate, I'd love it if you would talk to us a little bit about this playoff primer schedule we uh, we promised here. For sure. So basically, there's... Well, before we get into the actual schedule, I want to run through my little bit of a heuristic that I've developed, and I always tout when talking about the playoff schedules. I think people end up going a little bit too ham with playoff schedules sometimes you know you get into this time of the season there's a little bit of the doldrums you want to make it feel like you're doing something fantastic for your fantasy squad most of the moves that you're realistically going to make regarding playoff schedules are like to get you one extra off night or to get you like one extra game played so these are margins they're margins we should explore yes every every margin that we can take every little bit of a percentage point we can put in our favor is something that we want to do and they all add up to a bigger number overall and that gives us our best chance of succeeding but it is a small percentage on its own. So it's not something you absolutely need to go nuts and and kill yourself over for sure. The way that I look at it is, first off, as I mentioned before, 
in order for the playoff schedules to matter, you got to make the playoffs. So if that's even a question for you at this point, if you're not, if you haven't locked up a playoff spot, if you're not one of the top teams in your league, uh, sitting high and dry comfortably in terms of like your points for and everything. Um, if there's a chance that you're not in the playoffs, I want you to focus on that first because that is far more important. You have to make the playoffs for the playoff schedule to matter. Second off, if your league has a buy, um, if you get a buy through the first round of the playoffs for finishing first or second, as is pretty common in a lot of leagues, then that should absolutely be your primary focus. That is the single best thing that you can do for yourself in terms of winning your league is to obtain a first round buy in your playoffs. To get those extra four ads to set yourself up while all the rest of the teams in the playoffs are vying with each other uh, on the current week you're already thinking about the week after and you're snagging all the premium streamers ahead of time that's the best thing that you can be doing you can really overload your streaming schedule you can yeah focus up on the early week with your four ads from the week that you're not playing and then in that week you can do a whole bunch of like single game goalie streams you can really overpower your opponent just with sheer volume of ads if you're able to get that first round buy in your league so that should definitely be the primary focus and then as like a third level if those two have been exhausted if you're sitting pretty for a buy there's like no question that you're gonna have a buy um then at that point, then you look at these playoff schedules. So that's the kind of the tiering that I would do. Now, of course, if you are just making deals in general, you're thinking about these buy low, sell highs, definitely playoff schedule is something to have in the back of your mind. You don't want to, you know, make a buy low and then be like, ah, yeah, I didn't really think about the fact that this guy's actually really going to hurt me. You know, I traded away somebody with the best playoff schedule for somebody with the worst playoff schedule. And I felt like it was a marginal improvement in terms of the player, but in the end, it might hurt me come playoff times. So maybe that's something that you do want to just factor into your trade analysis at this time of year. Um, but definitely in terms of the overall, you want to A, make sure you're in the playoffs. B, if there's any chance to get a buy, you sell out to get that buy because that's the best way to win your league. And then C, you start to think about the actual schedule itself. So with all that said... I want to talk about how things are set up. So I'm using, obviously, Yahoo Weeks here. The vast majority of people are on Yahoo, or if even if they're not, they have a very similar weekly setup. Um, so in the Yahoo Weeks 23 through 25, that's a pretty common schedule that a lot of people are using. It eliminates the final week, uh, week 26. And that's usually just because people don't want to be playing fantasy hockey that week when a lot of teams have started to take to resting their star players if they're you know they can't do anything to affect their playoff matchup or their playoff seating or they just don't care they'd rather rest their star players get them right um, that can be really frustrating for fantasy purposes obviously if all of a sudden your stars are just being rested and your opponent's stars are all playing and you just feel like you have no chance um, so that's why a lot of leagues are in are doing their playoffs weeks 23 through 25 uh, but what i'm going to do is i'm going to run through the 23 through 25 and then i will run through the 24 through 26 after the fact so if your if your league has playoff schedules weeks 23 through 25 that's march 18th through april 7th then the best schedules that you can look at right now washington capitals buffalo sabers seattle kraken arizona coyotes vancouver canucks edmonton oilers ottawa senators 
So there's some variance in here. The way that I look at it is the difference between, you know, your games played, overall games played. So I'm looking for the teams with the most games played. I'm also looking for the teams with the most off nights, right? The teams that are going to give us the off night flexibility that we need to really maximize our games played during this time period. So those are the the teams there and then i've also kind of just highlighted the teams that have the best schedules for the weeks 24 and 25 and that's for those people who have obtained that buy and they can really focus in on those final two weeks because they know they have that buy so the sabers show up here again the canucks show up here again the oilers and the kraken all show up here again you also get the ducks rangers devils lightning and golden knights in here so those are the teams to look at. Uh, we're not going to get too specific into a whole bunch of like player takes, definitely move this player for that player. Those are the teams with the best schedules. I am going to post this fantasy playoff schedules in the Discord server. The patrons have had it for a month now, um, but I'm going to post it to the general um, Discord server now. So if, again, if you haven't made your way into the Discord server, you absolutely got to get yourself in there. And this will be there. You can at me or at anybody, and they'll be sure to direct you in the correct direction. Before I get into the worst schedules, Blake, is there anything that I've said so far that's brought anything up for you um, in terms of best schedules? Like, are you really focusing on the games played or the off nights? How are you thinking about this? What's coming up for you as I talk through this? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, playoff schedules, like, I, I've been uh, guilty of taking them too seriously in the past. Like uh, I liked what you said at the beginning of this and, and that's just a good refresher for everybody, right? Like, you know, don't, don't change what you don't need to change, right? Like, like he said, if you're, if you're just getting one off night, but you're getting a marginally uh, less of a player, like it doesn't make sense. Right. So just stick with your guns, but yeah, I, I think this is just a tool for you to use. And, um, you know, when you're making decisions with your trades and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, I, I like what you've said so far. I, I wish I, there's only one league where I'm close to getting a buy. So like, I'm like third, fourth, fifth in, in pretty much all my leagues with a lot of points for, but yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to be scratching and clawing pretty hard to get that buy. but yeah, this is all good stuff so far. For sure. All right, so worst schedules, just to run through, again, for weeks 23 through 25. Chicago, Montreal, Nashville, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Minnesota. Those are for either, you know, weeks 23 through 25 and also for 24, 25, whether you got the buy or not. Those are the worst teams. If you don't have a buy, then you can throw in the Sharks, Bruins, and Red Wings as well as not having a good schedule. If you do have the buy, then add the Hurricane Stars and Blue Jackets to the list. Um, yeah, there's... <laughs> The one thing that's coming up for me as I'm looking at this is the Blackhawks, right? Like nobody's got anybody from the Blackhawks, but even the the poor managers who had Bedard and then he's going to come back and then he's just like not going to play yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the fantasy playoffs. So Bedard is one player that I actually would consider a guy that I'd be trying to sell off uh, when he does come back uh, because, yeah, of the schedule. So that's one that I will throw out there for free. Uh, move over to the weeks 24 to 26. So if you are playing all the way to the bitter end here, actually the best schedules are the exact same. Whether you have the buy or not, uh, the teams are the exact same. So you have the Golden Knights, Oilers, Canucks, Kraken, Coyotes, Blackhawks, Blues, Flames, Penguins, and Maple Leafs here. Now obviously 
you know, across all these, there's some variation, whether you're looking for the off nights a little bit more, whether you're looking for the total games played, you know, maybe for the defenseman, you're looking a little bit more at the total games played because you're, they're easier to fit into your lineup a lot of times because you're streaming more forwards. Um, maybe you're looking for the off nights a little bit more for the forwards specifically, but definitely these are the teams to look at. And then the worst schedules uh, across both the 24 to 26 and the 25, 26 Stars, Blue Jackets, Flyers, Panthers, Predators, Jets. And then if you're playing the full three weeks, you add the Canadians and Sharks to that list. If you got to buy, then you add the Bruins, Sabres, and Devils to that list. So obviously just throwing out a whole bunch of teams here. You're going to have to sit down with the document. Probably it's worth going through mm -hmm. your individual teams uh, if you are starting to think about playoff schedules and actually setting your lineups for those weeks. And just kind of see, like, maybe you have a bunch of players from these teams with the great schedules, and you're actually kind of sitting pretty in terms of the off nights, and you can actually turn your attention to the teams with the more games played, even if they don't have the off nights. So that's obviously going to be on a team-by-team -team basis, but this at least gives you the jumping-off point to say, oh, yeah, I have, like, oh, I have, like, six players on my team from the Sabres, Canucks, and Oilers. Like, I'm actually pretty set yeah. in terms of all the off nights and everything. So I can actually kind of really focus in on just getting more games played into my lineup yeah buddy i love that and how about edmonton with the five game week in there oh man that's beautiful in your you know you got dry settle you got mcdavid you got hyman they all even nuge oh my god evander kane he's that guy's gonna win you your freaking league hens love roosters he's love ganders um, I love that. Actually, uh, one thing I did want to say that I have done in the past successfully is if you sort of identify that your star players or something like your top tier players are some of these teams that have the terrible schedule. Um, and sometimes I look at, you know, making a, a lateral move to another kind of star from a team that has a good schedule just for the games played because those guys are going to be in your lineup no matter what. But um, I have been able to make trades, especially if you're in a league where some of the fantasy managers are sleeping or they're not they're not considering some of this stuff. Like that's where this is really valuable to me is if if you can make even a lateral move or like a just a little bit of a move downwards, but you're getting extra games, like a bunch of extra games, like it's absolutely worth it. So definitely something you should explore. But again, um, I like what you said earlier. I think you laid it out really well in terms of the priority of, of things you want to do when you're getting ready for your playoffs. Absolutely. I think that's all I've got. Um, if there's anything that's come up for this that you have a question about, you know, reach out, join in the Discord server, throw me an at, I'll try to get to it. I've not been able to get to a lot of stuff in the Discord server this year, or especially this past week, uh, but I will try to do that for the playoff schedule since I know this is something that people are really starting to look into now. There you go. You heard it from the master, folks. That's how we do. Every time Nate talks, we got to listen. All right. It's important stuff. We're going to get some dubs this year. I'm stoked. Something that happened last season after we, you know, after the season we had, Nate, is a lot of people reached out to me, and I'm, I'm sure it was the same for you, of just people that were stoked on the information they received and people that won their leagues. And that's, I, I felt a little bit of a taste of that last year, and I want it all this year. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I, you know, Please, like Nate said, at him, at me, reach out. We want to help you guys with your teams. Um, Nate, why don't you talk about your Patreon real quick? Yeah, if you need a little bit more help, a little bit more of a personalized touch, uh, 
and the Apples and Dreams Patreon, which will be in the show description for five bucks a month. I'll answer all of your questions, guaranteed. Anything that goes in the patrons-only chat, I do answer 100% of the time. So if that's you and you want to just ask more questions and you want to make sure uh, that your questions are getting answered, that's the best way to do it. And then if you need some help with your team specifically, you're looking at some trades, you want to do a little bit more of an in-depth dive on one of your teams, then for the $10 tier, uh, you can get a little bit of a team review. You send me a bunch of screenshots and I'll go over the team with you. So those are a couple of the offerings you can check out on the Apples and Geos Patreon. Absolutely worth it. The friendship experience, I'll never stop paying. It's a lifetime subscription, right, Nate? Absolutely. It never expires. Never, Nate. All right. We're together forever. All right. Oh, God. If you're not watching YouTube, you got to check out Nate's face. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just pure fear. He's dead inside. <laughs> Um, but that's it. That's what we have for the show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We have got your regular scheduled programming. Uh, it's going to be actually, we don't, it's going to be a weird week here <laughs> because of, of the break, the all-star stuff. So, you know, stay tuned. We are going to have some stuff out. It might not be the exact, uh, way that we normally do it, but you know, we're, we've got a plan and we're going to be kicking out some content for you this week. And then as soon as the season starts back up, we're going to get right back to biz that's it everybody thank you so much for listening celebrate your day bye for now Team score.